Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back once again to the Cover 7 podcast. And guys, we're kicking off a new series here on the channel. You know, I talked about it these past few weeks, talking about, you know, starting up our own little NFL offseason recap show and just discussing, you know, anything NFL related during the offseason because we don't have any games to talk about. So, talking about, you know, draft news, hirings, free agency, you name it. Anything NFL related, we're going to be talking about it in today's episode. And man, we do have a lot of stuff we got to talk about. We're going to go over the NFL awards. You know, we're also going to talk about some coaching changes, coaches getting fired, and, you know, all of that fun stuff. So, guys, before we get into today's episode, I hope y'all have enjoyed all the interviews we've been dropping, all the other episodes we've been dropping, like catching up with college football, which I'll definitely. Definitely need to check out, man. Seriously, those have been some fun episodes to make. And hopefully here in our new series, Catching Up with the NFL, it'll be as fun because, I mean, the NFL, there's always something going down each and every single week. So, guys, before we do begin, please make sure that you hit the like button, you hit the follow button, hit the notification bell so you can stay up to date with every episode that we drop here on the Cover 7 podcast. And, guys, seriously, thank you so much for all that you do. It's been a blessing being able to get these episodes out week and week out. So, you know, and, and like I always say, I don't want to waste y'all's time. I don't waste my time either. So let's talk some NFL football. And, you know, here in episode one of Catching Up with the NFL, we do have a decent amount of stuff we got to talk about. And we're going to kick it off talking about uh, former New England Patriot quarterback and obviously former Tampa Bay Buccaneer quarterback and arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady. He has officially announced his retirement from the NFL, something we all already knew, but I'm trying to, you know, recap a lot of the stuff from the past few months because there was some stuff that was going down during the playoffs and all that. So Tom Brady, for sure this time, he's even submitted paperwork too, which I didn't even know you had to do when you're announcing your retirement from the NFL. So it was 100% happening this time. Tom Brady is announcing his retirement from the NFL. And it's actually going to take a gap year before he joins Fox in the broadcast booth, becoming their top analyst. And I had... And, you know, for all the people out there that may not have known, about a year or so ago, Tom Brady and Fox agreed to this 10-year, I think, $300 million something dollar contract for him to actually become the lead analyst for Fox. So, like, what Joe Buck and Troy Aikman used to be for Fox, he's going to be fulfilling that role with Kevin Burkhart. And then you're also going to be wondering, or you're probably also wondering, what happens to Greg Olson, who is currently sitting in the spot that's going to become Tom Brady's. Well, Greg Olson's kind of getting the short end of the stick in this because his salary, which is currently $10 million a year, is getting slimmed down to $3 million, and he's also getting demoted. So it's, it's a hefty, hefty price tag that Fox is paying just to get Tom Brady on. But it should be pretty interesting to see you know, how Tom Brady does you know, in the broadcast booth because it's a little bit different than being down on the field. But obviously, he's, he's going to have great insight, you know, being arguably the best quarterback of all time it should be pretty fun to hear but we will not be you know seeing Tom Brady in the booth for at least another year as he announced he will not be joining Fox until 2024 so he will have pretty much a gap year until then but yep Tom Brady is officially announcing his retirement and well if you don't believe me about him being the greatest quarterback of all time he finished his career as a seven-time Super Bowl champion three-time NFL MVP and is also the league's all-time uh, leading passer. So that's just a few of the accolades. Y'all can go look it up. But Tom Brady, I think, should go down as the greatest quarterback of all time, and rightfully so. 
Now, guys, let's head over to some more news we got going on. And, well, we, we've seen a lot of coaching changes so far into this young offseason. We saw the Panthers finally get their guy. We saw the Broncos go out and go get their guy. And, I mean, we could talk, we could talk, we can uh, start it off talking about the Broncos and what they did to fulfill their head coaching uh, vacancy. And, well, as we all know, Nathaniel Hackett, when he came over from Green Bay, originally thought it was going to be a great hire. You know, the guy that led Aaron Rodgers to getting three MVPs, you know, Look like an offensive guru with him, Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, you know, all those weapons that they that they had in Green Bay. You know, goes over to Denver. You know, Denver, they, they trade for Russell Wilson from Seattle, expecting him to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. They already had Cortland Sutton. They already had Jerry Judy. They had a young, great running back in Javante Williams. Things just didn't work out. Whether it was injury reasons, offensive line was banged up the entire year, the wide receivers were really inconsistent at times. Russell Wilson really just looked like a shell of himself. It was overall not a great year, and a lot of that you could account to poor coaching. There's a lot of poor, you know, clock management and everything like that too. So it wasn't really a shock when Nathaniel Hackett got fired after his first season because if we all saw how tragically bad the Broncos were this year, it was a move that was expected. And well, the Broncos, man, they absolutely went all out to get their next head coach as they traded with the New Orleans Saints. So the Broncos, they gave up their first round pick in this year's draft and next year's second round pick, they sent it to the New Orleans Saints to get former Saints head coach Sean Payton. Now, I like this hire because Sean Payton and you know you we can all talk about the bounty gate and everything like that, but Sean Payton is an amazing head coach, especially when it comes to working with what he's got. You know, he had some amazing years down there as the Saints head uh, head coach. Obviously, won the Super Bowl. So, I think this is a great hire for the uh, the Denver Broncos because they're getting a proven head coach, right? They're getting a guy that's already proven he is capable of being one of the best coaches in the league. Russell Wilson, I think, is really gonna thrive under a guy like Sean Payton. Definitely more than a guy like Nathaniel Hackett. I think the team. Overall, is probably going to like having a guy like Sean Payton, who's definitely a player's coach. So this, this in my opinion, I think was a great hire for the Denver Broncos. But the problem with this whole thing is Denver, who was already limited on picks because they gave up two first-round picks and two second-round picks and also a bunch of players to the Seattle Seahawks, now they just gave up another first-round pick this year and also gave up next year's second-round pick. So the Broncos... Really are going to have to get something going because they're kind of in the same situation as the Rams where they're trading away everything to get some immediate success, but it hasn't translated so well for the Denver Broncos. So we're going to have to wait and see how that works out. But the Broncos, they finally get their guy at the head coach position as they go out and get former Super Bowl winning head coach Sean Payton from the New Orleans Saints. And it's funny because I don't think a lot of people realize you can actually trade for a head coach. We saw it with um, John Gruden. When Tampa Bay traded for him from Oakland, and then he ended up winning a Super Bowl that following year with Tampa Bay when they beat Oakland in the Super Bowl. So who knows? Maybe Sean Payton will be able to do, you know, make a little bit of magic this year for the Denver Broncos and finally get them to where they should be. I mean, they've got all the talent in the world. Jerry Judy, in my opinion, I think could be one of the best young wide receivers in the league. Javante Williams, who tore his ACL this this past season, he should be back and healthy. I think the Broncos definitely are going to do better than what, than what they did this year. We're just going to have to wait and see what they're able to do on the field. And a lot of that is going to come down to, you know, are we going to see the Russell Wilson of old or are we going to see the Russell Wilson of 2022? So 
anyways, y'all, we're now going to head over to our next head coaching hire. And this time, we're going to be going out to the East Coast in Carolina. As Carolina, as we all know, they fired Matt Rule after what was a disaster of a few seasons, which, no offense, it's not really that shocking because normally when college coaches go to the NFL level, it never really works out that well. We've seen it happen numerous times, and, well, Matt Rule was just another one of those uh, – Another one of those cases, we saw it with Urban Meyer when he didn't even last barely half a season with the Jaguars about two years ago, and Matt Rule, he was just the next one in line. Now, for the Panthers, it seemed like the guy that was going to end up being their head coach was their current interim head coach, Steve Wilkes, who also was a um, former head coach for the Arizona Cardinals, which... I will give Steve Wilkes a little bit of you know a little bit of uh, uh, room right there for you know he only coached him for a year because he was dealing with Josh Rosen and arguably one of the worst rosters in all of the NFL back in I think 2017 as a head coach of the Cardinals so a little bit of slack right there for him because that was a horrible Arizona Cardinal team that he was having to coach you know not like when Cliff Kingsbury came in out of Texas Tech and immediately got Kyler Murray immediately got Christian Kirk and all of those guys and everything like that and they completely wasted that but Steve Wilkes he's been known to really be a favorite by a lot of players a lot of players wanted him to actually be the head coach um, he actually did pretty solid towards the end of the year after Matt Rule got fired I mean the Panthers, even despite losing Christian McCaffrey, trading him to the 49ers, still had an amazing run game with Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard. The defense was still really good with guys like J.C. Horn, Derek Brown. I mean, the Panthers looked really good under Steve Wilkes, but unfortunately for Steve Wilkes, I guess he just needs to prove himself a little bit more. So instead of going with their interim head coach, the Panthers decided to go look for another head coach that has that has recently been a head coach, and they looked at former Colts head coach Frank Wright, who I don't really, I don't think necessarily was the problem with the Indianapolis Colts, because we all know the Colts just cannot find themselves a quarterback. I think this upcoming season is going to be their fourth year in a row now. Ever since you know, ever since Andrew Luck retired early. This Colts team has just not been able to find themselves a steady quarterback. You know, they went out and got an aging Phillip Rivers in his final season in the NFL. They made it to the playoffs, went to the wild card round, but lost to the Bills. The following season, they go out and trade for Carson Wentz from the Eagles. You know, thought it was going to be a great pair, right? Team him up with his former OC, Frank Wright, when they both went to the Super Bowl and won that. And, I mean, Carson Wentz during that 2017 season before he got that horrific leg injury against the Eagles. He was playing like an MVP-level quarterback, and, you know, they go out and get him. Carson Wentz joins the Colts, and just things didn't work out the way they thought it would. I mean, the last game of the season, a must-win game for the Colts. You know, if they beat the Jaguars, they're guaranteed to get into the playoffs. They end up losing that game against the Jags, who were absolutely horrid that season. And then the next season, they go out and trade from Atlanta. They go out and get Matt Ryan, and, well, Matt Ryan ends up getting benched and presumably when Frank Wright was still the head coach he was going to be benched for the rest of the year they were going to they were just going to start Sam Ellinger let him do what he needs to do get some reps potentially see what they have at the backup quarterback position and I mean it was it was rough during Frank Wright's tenure as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts but the Panthers they're giving him a second chance as they go out and actually hire Frank Wright to become their next head coach which I think is not a bad you know not a bad hire Frank Wright He's a pretty solid play caller. I mean, when you get him the right pieces, he'll be able to, you know, give you a really solid offense. We saw what he did with Jonathan Taylor. The defense of the Colts has always been pretty solid. So maybe 
you know, going to this really young Panthers team, you know, go get some, you know, go get some free agents, be able to add a quarterback in the draft. I think the Panthers could be a pretty good team under Frank Wright. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how he does in his first year in Carolina. But I think overall, not a bad hire going out and getting a proven head coach who, you know, when when very successful can be extremely successful. So maybe the Panthers, they finally got this hire right and went out and got former Colts head coach Frank Wright. <laughs> but um, anyways, y'all, now let's talk about some defensive coordinators who are getting hired. Now, we've had a few defensive coordinators this year that have really stood out and have become top candidates to become head coach, most notably 49ers defensive co uh, coordinator D'Amico Ryans, who absolutely transformed this 49ers defense, allowed them to become the number one defense in the NFL. And yes, I know that final game against the Eagles was not pretty whatsoever with Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, and all them going off. But when you look at what they did throughout the year, they were really darn good. And a lot of that was due to D'Amico Ryans and you know the way he was scheming up his defense to really be able to trap a lot of these offenses. And then another defensive coordinator, you know, another DC that was in the um, NFC Championship game, Jonathan Gannon, the DC for the Philadelphia Eagles. He also had a really good year outside of obviously the Super Bowl when Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs were able to absolutely torch his defense and was really the main reason why the Eagles, they ended up losing that game. So, but the first one I want to talk about is D'Amico Ryan's. Um, he actually was a former Pro Bowl linebacker for the Houston Texans. And, well, the Texans, after one season with Lovey Smith, they decided to part ways, which I think is a little unfair to Lovey Smith because, no offense, with that roster, I'm surprised they even won any games at all because, I mean, they they were definitely horrifically bad. But um, the Texans, they decided to go out and go get one of the best young defensive minds in all of football, and they hired former 49ers DC, D'Amico Ryans, to become their next head coach. So this should be pretty interesting to see how this one goes because, well, once again, D'Amico Ryans, like a lot of these other guys, is very much a player's coach. He's a young guy, obviously. So I think this could be a pretty good hire for the Texans. We've all kind of seen everybody try to find their next Sean McVay, you know, what the Rams did, hiring an extremely young, you know, young guy, seeing what he's able to do. I think D'Amico Ryans might be that next guy. Obviously, the Texans. They've got a lot of things they need to figure out, but with the Texans already pretty much announcing that with their their first round pick, they're going to be picking a quarterback. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see you know how D'Amico Ryan's does do in his first year as the head coach of the Texans. And then for our other defensive coordinator news, we had Eagles DC Jonathan Gannon. He actually is headed to Arizona to become the next head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. I mean. I don't really know what to say because I feel like anytime anybody gets hired to become the head coach of the Cardinals, at least after Bruce Arians' tenure, they just really have not had much success. Whether it's Steve Wilkes, obviously Cliff Kingsbury, who was horribly bad, I mean horribly bad, as the Cardinals head coach during his tenure with them, only leading them to one playoff game in which they got embarrassed by the Rams last year in the wild card round. Um, and also another kind of you know little stat out there for all you people that might be saying, well, Cliff Kingsbury... You know, definitely was not a great coach, but was not a bad coach. The Kansas City Chiefs had more wins in State Farm Stadium than the Arizona Cardinals did this year. And just FYI, State Farm Stadium is a home stadium for the Arizona Cardinals. The Chiefs had two wins in that stadium. The Cardinals only had one. So just just think about it like that. But um, the Arizona Cardinals, they decided to go and get a you know pretty relatively young defensive coordinator in Jonathan Gannon. So... 
this I mean, I don't really know what too much to say. I mean, obviously a lot of this a lot of the success that Jonathan Gannon had was also due to the fact that he had Hassan Reddick, Fletcher Cox, Darius Slay, CJ Gardner Johnson, you know, all those super talented cats on defense. So maybe they made him look probably better than he was, but still the Cardinals are taking another really risky chance and they went out and hired Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon. Now, y'all, to finally wrap up today's first episode ever of Catching Up with the NFL, we're going to be recapping the NFL awards, and we're going to be talking about, obviously, the most notable ones, the rookies of the year, offense and defensive, offensive and defensive players of the year, and then the MVP, comeback player, you know, those awards. So, to kick it all off, we're going to talk about the offensive and defensive player of the years, and we'll... The, the guy that won Offensive Player of the Year, and there were a few candidates for this award, but there was really one guy that stood out the most, and that was Viking star wide receiver Justin Jefferson, who has been an absolute just menace his entire NFL career so far, because in his first three seasons with the Vikings, you know, he's only, he's only played three full seasons, he has never had less than 1,400 receiving yards in a entire season, and the, and the, and the, smallest amount of touchdowns he's had in a year is seven touchdown receptions I mean this guy has been absolutely phenomenal and well this season he was absolutely torching defenses he had 128 receptions for 1800 receiving yards eight eight receiving touchdowns I mean this guy was you just literally could not stop him whatsoever and well he rightfully won offensive player of the year which I mean if you watch what he was able to do with Kirk Cousins and that offense he he absolutely deserved that because he was really the heart and soul of that Vikings offense. I mean, it's it's crazy to think because now that I'm looking at the stats from 2020, 2021, 2022, 2020 being his rookie year, I mean, this cat just simply just continues to get better each and every single year. His first year had 1,400 yards, second year 1,600 yards, and then this past year, 1,800 yards, seven touchdowns his first season, 10 touchdowns his second season, and then eight touchdowns in his third. I mean, he is he is on a Hall of Fame trajectory. I definitely think Justin Jefferson, if he continues to keep this pace, will go down easily as one of the best wide receivers of all time. Now, for the Defensive Player of the Year, this one had a few candidates, Nick Bosa of the 49ers, Micah Parsons of the Cowboys. But really, when you look at the stats and look at the difference making, it really was no-brainer who this one was going to go to as well. And it went to 49ers star edge rusher Nick Bosa. And, well, if you don't believe me, just read these stats. 51 combined tackles, 10 assisted tackles, and 18 and a half sacks on the season. 18 and a half. The past two seasons, Nick Bosa has had a combined, let me do my little math, 34 sacks. 34. I mean, that is just that is just ridiculous. I mean, I, if, when you watch the film, obviously, he was a major reason in why the 49ers were able to get turnovers, whether it was getting to the quarterback, applying pressure, or simply just being able to get to the quarterback and get him down. Nick Bosa was entirely dominant this entire year, and rightfully so, definitely deserves to win Defensive Player of the Year. So now let's head over to our Rookies of the Year, offensive and defensive. And, well, these awards were strictly for the New York Jets because they absolutely made a splash in this past NFL draft as well. The Offensive Rookie of the Year goes to New York Jets rookie wide receiver Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. And this guy... He bought out his rookie year, 83 receptions for 1,100 uh, receiving yards, 
four touchdowns. Now, I do think him and Kenneth Walker were very, very close together in terms of being able to win this award. Kenneth Walker had a phenomenal season for the Seahawks, established himself as a running back one going forward for the Seahawks. But, I mean, it, it, it it's definitely hard to kind of depict between the two because Garrett Wilson is more of the bigger name, which a lot of times is what will end up winning you these awards. And, I mean, he had an amazing season. You know, being able to put up a 1,000 receiving yards in a season in the NFL is hard enough. But being able to do it, you know, with a quarterback like Zach Wilson, Mike White, and all of those guys – that's even more impressive, and to do it as a rookie, that makes it just even more impressive as well. So Garrett Wilson is the 2022 Offensive Rookie of the Year. And then for Defensive Rookie of the Year, we're staying in New York. We're staying with the Jets as Jets star cornerback Sauce Gardner, who has one of the best stories in the NFL, very under-recruited coming out of high school, didn't really have too many offers, decides to go to Cincinnati, balls out, literally never had a receiving touchdown against him in college. Never. Out of four years of playing college ball, Sauce Gardner never had one single receiver score touchdown on him, which I think is pretty darn impressive. And while this past season, his rookie year, 75 combined tackles, 24 for assist, and then also had two interceptions on the year. And what was a pretty solid rookie season, but I do think, and this is, and I'm, and I'm not trying to be a down player to Sauce Gardner, but I do think Tariq Woolen of the Seahawks, I think he should have won this won this award. I mean, he had six interceptions as a rookie, proved to be one of the top cornerbacks this past season. I think this award should have gone to him, but regardless, Sauce Gardner also had a phenomenal year, and he also took home Defensive Rookie of the Year. Now let's head to some of the other awards we have. And first, let's talk about Coach of the Year. And that award went to Giants first-year head coach Brian Dable, who completely, just completely transformed this Giants team. I mean, this Giants team, I mean, what they were able to do this year compared to the year previous when they were under Joe Judge was phenomenal. You know, were able to make it to the playoffs, actually won a playoff game, upset the Vikings in the wild card round. I mean, they obviously met their match in the second round against the Philadelphia Eagles, but I mean, when you look at what they were able to do this year, I mean, guys like Daniel Jones completely transformed. Now he's going to be potentially getting a 40 to $45 million a year contract extension, which I do think is a little high, but still he had an amazing year. Definitely, you know, one of the biggest things that everybody's kind of critiqued him about, myself included, has been his fumbling issues because it always seems like Daniel Jones just can never take care of the football. And this year he really addressed that. Saquon Barkley, Finally was able to get healthy, and we all saw how well he did. Made it to the Pro Bowl, had one of his best, you know, best years as a pro. The defense of the Giants was really, really good. Guys like Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. What Brian Dable was able to do in his first year as head coach for the Giants, and this one was really a no-brainer. I think it was kind of, it definitely, definitely was between him and Doug Peterson because I think Doug Peterson had a lot, had a lot worse of a situation to get in terms of having to rebuild the Jaguars after the mess Urban Meyer caused, but still both were very great head coaches, but Brian Dable, he ended up taking home coach of the year. Now, for my personal favorite award, and this one, this one, this, we didn't even have to discuss really who this one was going to go to. Uh, for comeback player of the year, Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith takes home the 2022 comeback player of the year, and rightfully so. I mean, what he what he was able to do 
in his first year starting for the Seahawks was absolutely phenomenal. And a lot of credit can be given to Pete Carroll and obviously Geno Smith being able to sit behind some really good quarterbacks. You know, he was with the Giants for one season, sat behind Eli Manning. His one season with the Chargers, he was able to sit behind Phillip Rivers. And then these past few years, being able to sit behind Russell Wilson. And you could tell it definitely did a lot of wonders for him. I mean, being able to throw the ball on the run, being able to sit in the pocket and throw the ball. This was stuff that if you watched him during his days at West Virginia when he had Stedman Bailey and Tavon Austin to throw to, I mean, you give him the right weapons and he's going to be phenomenal. And, well, when you have guys like Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Kenneth Walker, you're going to absolutely get that because this past season he had a 69.8 completion percentage through for 4,200 yards. I mean, that is, that, is, that is absurd. I mean, his closest that he ever had to that was 3,000 passing yards during his rookie season with the New York Jets. Um, 30 passing touchdowns and 11 interceptions. A little bit high for the interceptions, but when I mean when you throw 30 touchdowns, makes it look makes it look a little bit better. And also had a 100 QBR. So phenomenal season by Geno Smith. Clearly was an upgrade at the quarterback position from Russell Wilson, and the fact that they were able to get a a immense amount of return for Russell Wilson. It makes that trade look so lopsided and well. The Seahawks might have one of the smartest front offices because they absolutely were able to fleece the Denver Broncos for Russell Wilson as Geno Smith had a probably a two-time better season than Russell Wilson. Actually, I take that back. Probably like three or four-time better season. And all, all you Bronco fans, you can complain and gripe, but you know it's true. Geno Smith was one of the best quarterbacks this past year and easily deserved to win Comeback Player of the Year. And, well... Now we've got the biggest award of all, the MVP trophy, the MVP award, and there were really two two finalists for this award, and it was, and it was the two quarterbacks that we saw in the Super Bowl, Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, and then Eagles, you know, up and rising quarterback and Jalen Hurts. And as much as I wanted to give it to Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts really emerged himself as one of the best quarterbacks in the league, emerged himself as the guy that the Eagles thought they had in Carson Wentz, when you look at what Patrick Mahomes was able to do statistically with the Chiefs this year, it's just really hard to give it to anybody else. And obviously, the, he has the biggest name as well. But, I mean, Patrick Mahomes had pretty much his best year as a pro outside of his uh, second year, his first real year starting. So this past season, Patrick Mahomes had a 67 completion percentage, threw for 5,200 passing yards, his most in any season, threw for 41 passing touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Now, he had more passing touchdowns during his um, other MVP year in 2018, but I mean, it was, but also got to remember too, this year he did not have Tyreek Hill. So, you know, you don't have that huge explosive guy anymore, but guys like Isaiah Pacheco, we saw Juju Smith-Schuster get a little bit more involved. MVS had an amazing uh, AFC championship game against the Bengals. So Patrick Mahomes was able to really work well with a lot of the guys he had around him. Obviously, Travis Kelsey continuing to be his favorite target. And, well, when it came down to the voting, apparently it was pretty one-sided because Jalen Hurts only received one MVP vote compared to about the 400-something that Patrick Mahomes has that he or that he had in the MVP race as Patrick Mahomes took home the 2022 NFL MVP to win his second MVP award in his career. I think Patrick Mahomes, man, and I saw something. I forgot who said it. I, 
I can't remember exact, but somebody was talking about, you know, right as of right now, would you say that Patrick Mahomes is a Hall of Famer? And they said, absolutely, and I agree with them 100%. He has two, two Super Bowl MVPs, two Super Bowl trophies, two MVPs. I, I can't even tell you how many how many times he's been able to um he's been able to lead the league in passing. I mean he has a Pro Bowl, what, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022. So he's literally been just completely unstoppable and I mean he's pretty much been able to make it at least to the AFC championship game in all of those years. So ton of credit to Patrick Mahomes and what he what he's been able to do. And hey, I I mean, we could. I mean, don't get me wrong. I personally felt Jalen Hurts really, in terms of value, valuable, and everything like that. That definitely had to go to Jalen Hurts and what he was able to do for that Eagles offense. But when you put up a season like Patrick Mahomes did, it's really hard to go against that. So Patrick Mahomes, he took home the MVP award this season. And guys, that's gonna wrap it up for today's first ever episode. Of catching up with the NFL, let me know what y'all thought about it. I tried to make sure it wasn't too long because if I talked about every topic that I wanted to, that I had listed in my phone and little notes and everything like that, we would probably be here for about an hour and a half. So I don't want to waste y'all's time. I don't want to waste my time either. But guys, seriously, thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that y'all have done to help support me. Guys, simply dropping a listen, being able to drop a like, dropping a notification, or even telling anybody about our podcast and being able to build our community means the world to me. And guys, I hope y'all really did enjoy today's episode, and I will catch y'all here um, tomorrow, actually, as we'll be dropping an interview. So I'll see you guys then, and have a blessed rest of y'all's day.